A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. About five miles from Ashland, Wisconsin, the Messick family is celebrating 100 years of farming on the same land. The Messicks are getting their Century Farm Award this year. Lori Messick says it started out as 80 acres that her great-grandparents purchased. Today, it's close to 500 acres. She says it's near a little town called Makwa, which means bear in Ojibwe. She says the Slovak communities in the area is why her great-grandparents decided to farm up there. Well, let me go back a little ways, um, back to the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And my great-grandparents were from a little town in the Tatra Mountains. It's on the border of Poland now in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, a little town called Makos. And they immigrated to the United States in the very early 1900s, I believe probably about 1904-1905. And back then, also, the Mesek family, which the name was Misek or Michek, it was an M-I with the Hobbits, C-E-K, that's, it was pronounced Michek, was also friends with a family called Kromiski. And that was where my grandma also was from, my grandma Anna Mesek, and she knew my grandpa, John Mesek. And the funny story was that he threw her in a crick back in the little town of Makov, and years later they ended up getting married in the United States. So anyway, as the Mesek or Michek family immigrated to the United States, that would be my great-grandfather, Ignatius, and his wife, Frances, or Francisca, Francisca, um, they came to the United States and um, first lived a while in New York and then took a train to Colorado where they lived in Gunnison County and they ran the Gunnison County Poor Farm. Um, they took in invalids and other, you know, children that were, um, were orphans and whatnot. This was in the very early 1900s. But then my great-grandma, Francesca, contracted TB, tuberculosis. And I don't know how everybody kept a handle on where other people were, but they ended up moving to northern Wisconsin. They purchased the farm in about 1910. Actually, we, it was July 5th of 1910 that the first purchase was made of the 80 acres. So because of the cold weather, um, they felt that, you know, it's more cold year-round and, and just very crisp, cold air would be good for her. Now, my grandpa and his brother, I believe, stayed for a while in Colorado and mined gold there at Cripple Creek. And I remember stories that they used to box with sawdust-filled boxing gloves with a young man named Jack Dempsey and another man named Sullivan, one of the, you know, very, very first famous boxers. And then they also, they moved to Chicago um, as my great-grandpa was farming in northern Wisconsin, you know, had purchased the land. So they began the farm probably in about, you know, they purchased it in about 1910, and uh, there was nothing up there. I remember my grandmother saying that it was just brush. And, I mean, you think where we, where the farm is, is 
right by the Shumamagan National Forest and the Nicolet National Forest. Um, they purchased it from the James Good Company, which is a timber or logging company. And the very first um, building uh, that was built there, structure, was a home. And for the foundation was they used some timber and a rock. You know, instead of pouring concrete or having whatever, they used a, a big log on one side or two sides and then had a rock for the other side. And so it was a small farmhouse, and then they built um, a barn and some stables. And so... In 1915, my great-grandmother, Francesca, passed away, finally, from the uh, TB. And about that time, my, my great-grandfather continued to farm, but my grandfather, John Messick, also moved up there from the Chicago area, and he began to farm with my grandpa. In Chicago, he had reacquainted himself with my grandmother, Anna Kromisky, Anna Kromisky Messick, and they were married in 1920. My grandmother, Anna, had worked at McCormick's Baylor Twine Factory there in Chicago, and she had saved up around $3,000 and brought that with her to northern Wisconsin. And so then the farm was passed to John and Anna, or John at that time, so my grandmother and grandfather took over the farm in the early 1920s. And it was rough making a living up there in northern Wisconsin on the farm. I remember their first child, Jim, was born in 1922, and then Elsie in 1925. There was another child named Ace. His nickname was AC or Francis in about, I believe, 1927, Sylvia in 1929 or 1930, I'm not, I couldn't remember, um, my Auntie Eileen in 1934, and then my father in 1937. The first tragedy really happened when my uncle Ace or Francis was a young boy. Well, my grandma, we called her Ma, and Tata was my grandpa's nickname. Um, AC was up in the farmhouse, and he was stoking the fire, and some fire uh, caught his overalls on fire, and he ended up burning and, and dying. He lived a short time, but that was one of the first tragedies. And I know my, my grandmother had um, miscarried a few times, and some of those babies are born on the property. You know, the 1920s and the Depression, as I said, it was rough on the farm, but my grandmother always said that they always had a lot of food to eat. You think that the north is where the farm is, it's very rugged wilderness. They carved that farm out of that land by dynamiting stumps and clearing the land. And I remember, you know, picking rocks and whatnot. So anyway, then in another tragedy happened in the early 30, late 20s, early 30s. My uncle Jim, who was born in 22, was pumping water and somehow his overalls got caught in the pump jack and really tore up his knee. And my grandmother, they didn't have transportation. She carried him on the railroad tracks. The Sioux line ran from Ironwood, Michigan to Duluth, Minnesota. She carried him on the railroad tracks to the nearest neighbor, which was the Caraba family. And the Caraba family 
had just gotten a new car. I believe it was some kind of Model T, and they didn't know how to drive it. So Albert Crava was driving the steering wheel, and Frankie was pushing on the gas pedal, and he'd push hard, and it would zoom ahead, and he'd yell, Franco, no, Franco, don't hit the gas so hard. But if it, anyway, they made it. They took my grandmother and Uncle Jim to the hospital, and Dr. Tucker, the local physician, sewed him up, and years later, when my Uncle Jim volunteered for the Army Air Force, the Army doctors were surprised at what a wonderful job that Dr. Tucker did, and my Uncle Jim ended up becoming a captain in the Army Air Corps and flew a B-24 Liberator across the North Pacific. So that was uh, very pride, much pride in my family. My grandfather, John, had a team of Belgian horses, and he hauled milk for the Mukwa cheese factory there in Mukwa, and that's where a lot of the local farmers sold their milk. And uh, in addition to, you know, farming and milking cows of our own, um, they had Guernsey cows and um, were quite known for their herd of Guernseys. My grandpa, as I said, hauled milk from Mukwa Cheese Factory, and that was, I believe, the Furman family was also who my father ended up selling milk to until about 1986, the Mukwa Cheese Factory closed. But that was really a wonderful place. We would go and um, get ch- wonderful cheese curds, fresh cheese curds, and um, get way to sopper hogs. Oh, I wanted to tell a story about the 30s. The tent worms came through that area and really destroyed everything in sight, ate everything, even the track. The train couldn't go up the tracks and because the tent worms were so thick. My grandpa and my Uncle Jim dug a um, trench around the strawberries. My grandmother had quite a large strawberry patch and sold berries. So they dug a trench around the strawberry patch, and they gathered up old motor oil and dumped it in the trench, and the tentworms drowned in the old motor oil. And so that saved the strawberries. So my um, my grandma's crop was saved. How did it pass through the family to you? How did your dad acquire the farm? When my grandma and grandpa became older, it was passed on to him in, I believe, in the early 60s or early 70s. And so um, my dad married my mom in in 61, and um, kind of the family joke or family story is that he bailed hay at three cents a bale to save up money to pay for her engagement ring from Montgomery Ward. Mom and Dad had the farm until, well, Dad just passed away in 2014. But a new barn was built in 1952 on the property, and it housed, it had a surge vacuum line, and so we had milk machines. And then in 77, Mom and Dad took the big plunge and built a new barn, complete with a surge pipeline, and refitted out the old barn. It was kind of interesting because the old barn was jacked up and all the rotted wood, the barn that was built in 52, all the rotted wood was taken out and we were milking cows so we could like see outside. And then a cement blocks were um, made and, and the walls were made stronger and whatnot. But anyway, the new barn was built in 77 along with a silo. 
we had that. We milked with that. It was so much easier. Kind of a funny story to tell. One of my things that I remember is when we'd be making hay in the summertime, my dad would tell my brothers, Scott and Brian, that if they didn't plug up the silo unloader, he'd treat everybody to a steak dinner. So that was always something that we could look forward to and get on to Scott and Brian for not plugging up the silo. But anyway, so we expanded pretty big in the 70s and 80s and probably were hit just as many other farmers were with falling milk prices. My dad continued to farm until 1999 and when he turned 62 and he sold the cows at that time, but continued with beef cattle. Throughout the years, we always had hogs, we had chickens, we had, you name it, my dad always had a pet goat running around in the barn. He had his favorite big um, Brahma steer named Bud that weighed well over a ton that um, when he'd baller, it would just boom in the valley and the neighbors could hear him. So anyway, now currently the farm is run by my my little brother, Johnny, and he would be the fifth generation. And his son, Bo, and daughter, Brielle, they would be the fifth generation on the farm. Another fond memory is that our family showed beef cattle and had quite the run back in the 80s. We had grand champion probably eight out of the 10 years out of the 80s. And now that tradition is continuing with my niece, Brielle, who also had grand champion at the Bayfield County Fair last year. Would you say then the next generation is interested in continuing production on the farm? I guess, you know, what is the future of your century farm? It will continue. Uh, it looks a little bit different than it, what it did 100 years ago. Uh, maybe not much different. Um, they'll continue to raise cattle. There's always been cattle on the land. Um, and um, always had, we'll be making hay. Uh, I know my brother John has planted corn in the past and, and oats and whatnot, so he'll continue in that vein. And the, the land is wonderful, um, very fertile, and so um, he'll continue in that vein. And hopefully we'll continue. Actually, we're 112 years old, and so hopefully we can continue another century. My great-grandparents and grandparents really um, forged that farm out of the brush, out of the wilderness, and um, really a lot of hard work, and I'm sure this is the same thing that many farm families say, but, you know, we grew we had that, our farm was right up, you know, near Lake Superior, Superior, and it would get brutally cold and we'd have to do a day's work just to start our chores. We'd had a, we had a crowbar next to the barn door to chip open the barn door to get in and chip open the silo unloader so we could feed cows and chip open the barn cleaner. So really it was a lot of hard work, but we loved it dearly and we love our, the little Slovakian community that we lived in. And um, so I just wanted to add that. Lori Messick and her family are receiving their Century Farm Award this year. The family farm is in Ashland, Wisconsin. We've got more Century and Sesquicentennial farm stories at MidwestFarmReport.com. These stories are brought to you courtesy of Compere Financial. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.